This is Carol Steves, and you're listening to Reality Ranch Podcast. Today is Friday, May 22nd, 2020. I've noticed in my uh, two recent interviews that the subject of love has come up. And it got me thinking about love and the law of love. And an article that Vivian Legg wrote in May of 2012 entitled, True Love Has Its Basis in Reality, Not in Belief. It's an excellent article and I highly recommend you go to au.figu.org to read the article. And I'm going to read you a couple of excerpts from this article right now. Few people would disagree that if there was more love in the world, it would be a better place. It's easy to say. In families, work environments, groups, and organizations, we talk about the need to be more loving toward each other. But what does that really mean? Do we even know? Could we explain it to each other? How do we correctly go about forming a loving relationship with a coworker, a friend, a life partner? And how do we make it grow? Love is not just a wonderful idea. In his book, Law of Love, Billy explains that love is essential for all evolution in life. Without love, nothing can be created and no transformation can occur. Love is necessary for all change. Billy says that the earth human being is not evolved enough to be able to create true wisdom-based love within him or herself. Only a few human beings on earth are on the threshold of this highest form of wisdom creational love. The majority still lives in the lower forms of false affective love. Is it any wonder that so much goes awry on this planet if the very growth medium for our evolution is inadequate? Fortunately, with enough striving and effort, we can actually begin to learn what love really is by observing the difference between genuine love and false love which is predominantly practiced on this planet. Billy explains that, in contrast to false love, wisdom-conditioned genuine love is a wellspring of eternal constancy, which is absolutely independent of the human being's age, appearance, and personality. With the false form of love, however, factors like age, appearance, and personality do play an important role as does one's material wealth, profession, and societal position, and such things. But such factors are only as pronounced as the degree of durability and constancy of a human being's personality. Therefore, this emotional-based false form of love is subject to enormous fluctuations in its intensity and can thus suffer changes and can even transform into rage and hatred. Billy's deeper explanations of these two types of love, the genuine effective love and the false affective love, serve as an invaluable instruction manual for analyzing, deepening, or transforming our own personal forms of love, which we have for our fellow human beings and all other things and beings with which we share our experience, our existence.
My guest today is Dario Barone. Dario is an entrepreneur, community orchestrator, chocolate maker, and educator who currently owns and operates multiple businesses, including Sacred Summit, It's a Rawsome Life, and Mystic Mesa Ranch. His passion for foods, sustainability, and communal living has created the opportunities for him to work his way up within the industry, providing him with the skills needed to create multiple successful enterprises. He has recently moved to Paonia, Colorado to start an intentional community and currently focuses on community building, business development, educational services, and business consultation. Please join me as I interview Dario Barone. Hang on a second. Um, I have one of those little um, automatic vacuum cleaners. Is it stuck or something? No, it just keeps turning off. Oh. Now I think it's stuck. Okay. It got stuck on the cords probably. I could hear it beeping. Okay. So I've got one of those, um, you know, like a Roomba. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> They're great, actually. When you live out in the country and your floor gets dirty fast, <laughs> they go around and sweep up the corners and everything. It's great. So. You know, it's funny. I saw something um, similar, but for lawns, they have like a solar power lawnmower. Oh, I saw that. Yeah. I thought that's yeah. kind of cool. I know. I know. I'm like, oh, we need to get it just to just to lead by example. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, I think <laughs> it's just, you know. Yeah. Well, we were talking about AI last time and automation, right. and I was sitting there, you know, doing the dishes after lunch, and I was thinking that. I would love to have an Android. Exactly. To help me. I would love that. So it's funny. Um, I'll have, we'll have to do another interview because I had a beautiful conversation with my AI robotics friend who I live with um, regarding building an Android, because this is something that he's been thinking extensively about. And so he gave me his perspective on exactly how he would do it. But the interesting thing is that there's this controversy in the AI and I, yeah, I would say in the robotics world about what is consciousness. Oh, yes. <laughs> so this yeah. is where they have an idea of how to create consciousness within an Android being, but it's a, it totally goes against the spiritual teachings. Um, and it's just a really fun conversation to have with someone who is, I mean, has a PhD in, in AI. <laughs> right. Well, you know, so, so just tell me briefly, if you don't mind, because, you know, yeah. I've always used part of this in the, in the other interview. Do you know what I mean? Sure. Of so, course. Um, so tell me, what do you mean by it goes against the teaching? Well, I'll give you an example. So okay. basically what my friend would like to do, um, he'd like to create basically an Android that he could literally transfer his consciousness into. And so the way that he is, he's uh, theorizing is that you would be able to, I, if I can just, you know, remember what the way that he, he um, described it was, you would be able to retrieve or transfer all of your data that's in your brain onto, onto um, basically an artificial brain. Right. Well, I know exactly what you're talking about because. When you said that, I was going to bring up all these science fiction sh- shows 
that are addressing that, that are about, you know, there's a, a series called The Black Mirror. They address it. There are several other series. They're usually from the UK, by the way. Mm-hmm. And they all talk about this possibility of transferring your consciousness into a computer so that we, after you die, you're still alive. Like what your friend is saying, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking. Right. Right. And they don't realize it's not possible. Exactly. So that's what you mean about it being against the spiritual teaching. It's right. actually just against the laws of nature. It's not, they can't do it. That's exactly what I, yeah, exactly what I yeah. mean. It goes against yeah. the laws of nature. It's, um, yeah. Uh, what's interesting yeah. though is, yeah, it's, uh, he, I mean, he, I, I, I truly believe that I will be able to witness his uh, attempt at this. Oh, wow. <laughs> really? Yeah, I, I, I know so because he's very well resourced and he's a very brilliant man who, I mean, as of right now, he's working on how to um, basically create a robotic horse that you can ride on as a bicycle. <laughs> right. Oh, okay. That would be interesting. Yeah. So we'll be riding, yeah. we'll be riding around, you know, on our, at the ranch with this mechanical <laughs> horse that's electric, battery powered. And apparently it can go 70 miles per hour. It can gallop, it can stride, it can, really? it can, yeah, that's what so, he's working on right now. So Westworld, here we come. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to be an electric cowboy. <laughs> really? That's pretty funny. I know. That's I pretty know. interesting, actually. And and it's funny that um, I would love to meet this guy. And because it's funny that you are telling me this about the, the consciousness thing, about transferring it. Because Dario, in so many different science fiction, like I said, shows, it is, they, they all... And so I'm sure people think this is the future, that they're going to be able to do this. And so, you know, they're thinking, oh, good. I don't have to worry about death because they can transfer, you know, my consciousness into, um, you know, something else, uh, an Android or a, or a database, you know, or some kind of server or because there's some different, depending on which show you read, you watch. Um, it depends on how they're what they're transferring it into you know what I mean to hold it but one thing I did see was one where they it wasn't really your consciousness thing and this I could see them doing it mimicked who you are and so the people could could, um, could, oh what's going on oh my apologies it looks like uh, there is some Construction right next to my window for some reason. (laughs) That was weird. Oh no! Oh no! (laughs) At least, at least, at least, I didn't say. Oh, you know, just multitasking here at the ranch. You know, (laughs) we'll slap some wood while talking. While talking to you, I really couldn't tell what what it was. It it just sounded weird. But yeah, um, you're gonna have to edit that piece out or not. You know, I mean, there's some. This is the. Fun part about living in an intentional it community. Is. Okay. Well, here we are again, and uh, hopefully okay. the noise will not persist. Um, uh, the, my my friend is fixing my gray water system at my house, and so if I need oh, okay. to stay outside for some reason, then I will. 
Um, but anyways, so back to what we're saying, we were discussing about transferring the consciousness, uh, robotic yeah. AI. So it's just, it's just great just living with my friend who is very, I mean, he is a scientist and mm-hmm. getting his perspective. Um, and then, you know, like I said, I, I feel honored that I'll be able to witness these attempts because then well, from there, because he, he's a see it to believe it kind of guy. Right. Well, I have a question. So um, is he, because usually when the consciousness gets transferred and that's via the, according to these shows I was telling you about, right. the person dies because then the, the consciousness has gone into some other thing. Is he thinking he's going to be able to transfer like a copy or I, I don't understand. I, From his perspective, it seems to me like that data is the way that he said it was going to be transferred was through nanotechnology, okay. where basically it is some form of micro like live organism that has this information and then it just is transferred into another brain through that matter. He, okay. he explained it in a different way. Um, I know I'm, I'm still trying to contemplate exactly how that transfer would occur without someone being dead. Yeah. <laughs> it's because kind of like, not, right. Cause our yeah. consciousness can only be in one thing at a time. One person, one human brain, as we know. Exactly. But exactly. He's thinking something else, obviously he's thinking something else. Maybe he's thinking it's like a copy you know what I mean? I, I'd be really interested that next time we do our, you know, when we do the interview more about AI. Right. You know, maybe you can, um, you know, pick his brain and explain because. Well, the way, yeah. Yeah. I, what I think he's the way he sees it is consciousness is data. It's just information. So okay. no matter how you transfer the information, it'll literally, it, that's, that's how he sees it as, as a computer. Oh. Okay, because I know like yeah. Elon Musk thinks that we live in a computer generated. Right. And my yes. friend is a huge um, advocate of, you know, Elon Musk work. Mm-hmm. He and so I kind of yeah. thought maybe he was. Oh, I mean, he's heavily invested in Tesla. And uh, actually, I would say that he's made um, his uh, his, you know, his livelihood based off of, uh, you know, off of that stock. Right. So that company. So, okay. yeah, I'm, so that's just kind of interesting. Um, yeah, we're we're about to hopefully witness a lot of these developments um, fail <laughs> because you know it's not valid logic, right? Right. <laughs> and so, uh, will that be publicized? I don't know. I know it, it'll be interesting to find out. And uh, so, what I well, what I was saying before, you know, oh, we got cut yeah, off. Go I think it, I think it might have been our connection, you know, that did it. My connection, maybe even. Um, is that, um, and if it happens again, we'll just join again. Totally great. About it. Okay. So um, is that the thing I saw that I thought seemed the closest to what you could do is where it was, it mimicked a person's consciousness. And so it had limitations. A person could, could play like a 3d um, video of the person and the person could communicate with them, but it would be almost like you had an Android that they had programmed with the person's similarities you know what i mean correct there's similarities in the way they think and their speech and so the people they use this as a way to comfort people after the people they loved had died but mainly it what i saw dario was people were just having a hard time accepting that people were gone 
And that's exactly what's going to happen is they'll be able to capture, mirror, replicate mm -hmm. um, a person's like actions and their personality uh, and put it within an AI generator. And then they can, you know, implement it in, a, in, a, in an Android. But it's not going to be that individual. That individual would have already passed. Yes. And depending on their own reincarnation cycle, have gone through that process. But the people would still be fooled into no thinking that perhaps this is that same individual when it was not. I could see it's, that. Yeah. Yeah. It's so it's until we have whatever mechanisms or technology to understand reincarnation and to see it through some form of lens, which uh -huh. <laughs> I have yeah. no idea. I can't even fathom what kind of technology that would look like. No. But until we have that form of technology, people are most likely going to be utterly fooled into thinking that it's kind of like, you remember like when people thought that they could freeze themselves? Yes, I do. So <laughs> I'm sure that is that is that is that even like going on still? Like you know, I think I hear it is still going on. And you know, basically in a nutshell, what we currently have are um, multiple greenhouses and just the ability to grow an abundance of fruits and vegetables. I mean, we have orchards. We have uh, a micro manufacturing facility for my company and and to host many other uh, individuals who are going to be future residents as well. So basically creating um, an environment that's conducive to to business, to sustainability. Um, and so what tell what me we, about your living arrangements? So, do you yeah, have, how, so what does that look yeah. like? So what we have, uh, I live in a single unit. It's I live in a cabin, and but every uh, well, all the other units are shared uh, community housing. But that's going to be transitioning soon as we continue to build more single units. Because what we're noticing is that people seem to thrive when they live alone, and it just just they're having their own private space. And so all the uh, houses that we currently have on site that are more like communal, we're just going to use them as like community uh, <clears throat> community spaces. And then also for uh, guest rooms for our own like private guests. Oh, okay. That's, that's a good yeah. idea. And so right now we have at least four, four structures on the property. Okay. And so you have greenhouses and orchards and vegetables and your housing and your manufacturing for your chocolate and um and uh, a workspace right? a workspace for my friends uh robotic projects oh okay cool. yeah so how to use 3d printers to create <clears throat> uh gears and different um components for the robots that my friend likes to build okay that's really interesting it's an interesting uh um something i didn't expect when i heard about your your community that you were um and so what are some of the things besides being in nature, because you talked about providing an atmosphere so that people, you could promote peace and love and, um, and, you know, evolution, right? The evolutionary mm -hmm. growth. So tell me about that. What we like to do is to host <clears throat> practitioners who teach meditation, mindfulness practices, uh, just being like going more internal with oneself. 
and being able to see every aspect of themselves, of the human being. Back to this whole idea of people seeing, you know, too much in the positive or too much in the negative. But no, we have to see ourselves as a whole. And so what I, what we're inviting on this property, because we're also a retreat center. And so on our website, <clears throat> individuals or, you know, parties can book us, can book the property to host these these kinds of events and and what what size venue like how many people can will your your place accommodate if they, say someone wanted to book an event around 30 people maximum okay so that's a nice size without being yeah. overwhelming yeah and and There's, um go ahead let me, ask, let me ask you a question so knowing that i what i know that you study the teaching I, i'm assuming and, and, and tell me if I'm wrong, that you're the only one there actually using the spiritual teaching material. Is that correct? That is 100% correct. Yes. Okay. And how, um, how is it for you with the other people? Do you see a lot of kind of like what we talked about with the AI stuff, the consciousness transfer? Do you see a lot of things uh, that, you know, are kind of off? track with people's belief systems and you know even though they want the same thing harmony and love and peace do you see a um, or or is it fairly does it go along fairly well with what you're studying do you have to bite your tongue a lot or what i i do not have to bite my tongue a lot at all um oh, you know i have a policy for myself which is i don't i'm not friends with people who i would say do not follow the same form of logic in the sense of you know treating people respectfully um mm -hmm. being a good listener um you know being loving and kind also stating proper boundaries you know it's just there's things that i look for in, in friends and just people yeah. that i want to live with and everyone who uh, you know everyone on this property they go they they, they align with those value systems which for me, it seems it's completely in alignment with the teachings. Right. I, I noticed that a lot of people, you know, they, uh, we, we all seem to kind of, uh, how do you say it, uh, attract each other. Mm -hmm. And so like, you know, great, you know, what is it like great minds think alike. And, and so what's interesting is that we're all, we're all very compatible when it comes to, you know, like understanding the concepts of love understanding the concepts of harmony and what's beautiful is that everyone can have their own definition or at least how let's put it this way have their own way of um describing it but the actions are the same does that make sense mm -hmm. yeah it does and so, so so you feel like the people uh, because what i'm finding is most of the people on the planet don't understand what love is mm -hmm. uh, that's what i have found to be true I mean, it, it is stated in, in the, in the contact notes that, that earth humans don't understand what love is. And I would have to say, based on my own experience, I would have to agree with that. So, yeah. um, do you, so you're saying that the people that come to live in your community do understand what love is? I would say that they do. Okay. Uh, and that is rare. That is rare to, to witness and yeah, to find, but mm -hmm. I've been searching. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, it's, that is a pretty rare thing. It's It's been a process. Um, 
but it's it's just interesting that we you know like like from our previous conversation mm-hmm. like we don't take things personally and there's a deep understanding you know it's like hey this is my emotion this is my feeling you know like there's no yeah. guilt there's no I mean, there's no guilting there's no blame there's no blame and it's 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 pure accountability you know that's, like that's rare <laughs> and that is that's what i mean well yeah. i can't i i'd rather just live alone if i can't live with people who are on that level of awareness and being able to be accountable for their thoughts and their feelings it's like, I, it's not going to work for me okay um, i don't so set they... go ahead oh yeah i don't settle for less um and and like i say is, is anyone perfect no, oh, but no, no, I'm not but, saying that. I, I was consistent. asking if they understood what love yeah. is because most people don't I, like right. people. A lot of people think, for example, they think love is how someone they're in love with how someone looks, how they talk, you know, what they do for a living, um, their personality. But that's effective love. Yeah. And so they understand the difference between that and in universal love. Yeah. Yeah, that is that is correct. And so it's like we we just honor each other for where we're at in life. And, you know, you can you we can agree to disagree. And that happens a lot. Like my friend with the whole idea of AI and transferring consciousness. Right. And everybody's okay that people have different opinions. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Yeah. As long as there's no gaslighting. That's that for our number one rule here. Yes. It's like you can you can have a different opinion, but you know don't don't just like force feed it <laughs> to yes. someone. Yeah, because or or twist things. You know, exactly. Because that's what gaslighting is. Is you know they're they're saying this is what your reality isn't really reality. It's right. You know, they're they're they twist what's really happening into something else, and so that that to me is one of the most frustrating situations to be in, um, and so. Why don't you tell me um, about how you found, when and how you found out about the teaching? So I found the teachings when I was 16 years old and believe that was around the year 2008. I was sitting at, I was sitting at the breakfast table with my father and we were listening to the radio and just so happens that they were um, covering that exact material. And both my father and I were just so engulfed and just interested in, you know, what the speaker had to say. And I don't know who the speaker was now. I, I, I guess it might have been Michael Horn. I wouldn't be surprised. But from there, my father and I decided to just research it together. Well, and then well, my brother got involved. Go ahead. So someone was being interviewed then? Yes. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. Interesting. Yeah. Um. And so my father and I would listen to uh, recordings. I believe it was like some other interviews from with Michael Horn, and I believe that we found um, we found some of the contact notes, started reading them together, mm-hmm. and then my father decided to just put it down. Um, he just decided to. Uh, he's very much interested, but he, he can't really follow or go deeper into certain things um, for a long period of time, and so. So it had been my duty then to just continue diving deep into the into the material, and I was hooked. I just, for me, it felt there was just such a resonance of truth and and logic and wisdom that just uh, just 
it's, I just couldn't put it down. <laughs> right. And it felt worth, it felt worth investigating. <laughs> and, and how did that affect your, your, your relationships with your friends at school? Well, I don't think it changed much because I already somewhat understood and knew that. And also based off of some experiences that I had telling people about the material, um, it just wasn't really relevant to their lives or they just didn't really care at that point in time. And so I kind of knew to just keep it hush hush um, and just would only speak to my father and my brother about it, which for me, that was it's like, well, this is my own, you know, this is my personal journey and my and this is um, I'm gaining a lot from it. And the fact that my both my my loved like family members are also a part of this journey with me, that's good enough. I'm so I'm so happy. I could be one of those many I could be one of those people who, you know, they're none of their family members are into it. You know, no one that they deeply care about are into it or or wanting to learn more about it. Like that could have been me, and that was not the case. So I still have conversations till this day with my father, with my brother about the teachings, about what you know, what I've read, about what they've read. And so I'm the one that's most uh, invested, I would say, in the material and, and just doing the research. Uh, but it's at least it's just great to know that I have family who are willing to listen to, yeah, really um, implement, you know, the teachings in their daily life. And I always remind my brother and I are very close. So whenever he's going through a hard time in life, I always refer to the teachings and it always just allows me to be back on track. Right. That's because he sees. Yeah. yeah, Go ahead. Oh, that's great because, you know, as you know, or maybe you don't, I think you do that. My family members, I have a couple of my family members too, my husband and my son that are also involved and interested and study it. And so I, like you, I feel very fortunate that I have that. Are you there? Yeah, I'm here. Oh, great. Um, yeah, it's just, it's funny because I'll be like talking with my dad about something and then I'll be like, well, you do remember what Billy Mayer said. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, and it's just like, I don't know. I, 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 sometimes I take it for granted about the fact that basically my entire family, we all see eye to eye. Mm -hmm. We all have the same value systems and, and can really just see reality for what it is. And I just, I, I'm just so thankful because that's so rare. Yeah, that's great. Um, you know, my mother, my mother is not religious. Um, she's a scientist. So she's kind of like my friend. She's like, I need evidence. I need to see things. And, and, and she saw, you know, she's seen all the evidence and, She's convinced, but she's also not someone who is like wants to dive deeper, but she does see it as, yes, this is valid based off of the evidence shown. Right. But she's, she's not someone that I'm going to geek out with, you know, yeah. because for her, it's not like, she's like, all right, case closed. You know? What I mean? Yes, I do. I do. Exactly. So luckily I, you know, that's one of our value systems here uh, um, in the community and, and it works. And we make it very, we make it very yeah, clear. Tell me how you ended up there. And tell me that story. Okay. So the story goes that I was in business with um, the owner of the property. And then another individual who no longer lives on this property. 
but I was doing business with them a year before I moved to Colorado. So we had a chocolate company together. I was making the product in Portland. And then, and my, my friend who owns the property who I live with, we, I mean, we go way back six years and we've just been envisioning on living in an intentional community together with like-minded individuals, you know, becoming an incubator, like I've mentioned with business and sustainability and, you know, creating a culture and a value, you know, value systems. So we've been going way back and envisioning this for years. And then he decided, um, well, actually, I, this was based off of uh, this. He sold his, well, he inherited his father's home, sold it, um, made a good chunk of change and used that money then to purchase another property. And he was already living in this, t- this town. And so he called me up and said, Hey, Dario, uh, I'd love to, you know, I'd love, I'd love for you. I'd love to start an intentional community. I have some funds and I just found the beautiful property. Come, come visit and let's see if this is the right one. And so I flew, I flew down. I, I saw the property and it's, it's majesty. And he purchased it. And this is where, uh, and then we, we basically continued running the company together in, in Portland, but I was kind of managing it afar. And then just things kind of went, went south with that company and also with the other individual we were partnered with. And so we all kind of said our goodbyes and he, he actually left the property. And so now my friends and I remained on this land now just helping each other in different business ventures. That's cool. So you moved there from Portland. I moved there from Portland, Oregon. Yeah, correct. And I thought, you know, we've had a, we've had a previous conversation that you had never been outside of Portland. Before. That's right. You know, I, yeah. It's kind I, of amazing that you did this. I, I always, I always thought I was going to be, Honestly, I, I always thought I was going to be similar to the certain individuals who, who just stay in, stay in their hometown for the rest of their life. Yeah, because you liked it there, I loved it there. So I thought I loved it there until I moved here. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, I, I guess I might have convinced myself that perhaps, you know, living in a damp climate and having rain and gray every day was actually a good thing for me. And it turns out it wasn't. Yeah, you, you found the sunshine of Colorado much more invigorating, I right. take it. Oh, God, I feel amazing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I, lived, All I, want to do, I yeah. lived in Wisconsin for a couple of years, which the winters are very gray, and it's when the snow falls, it never leaves until, you know, spring. And and so I know what you mean. I can't, When I came back to the Southwest, you know, cause I, Wyoming, Colorado, New Mexico, they're all pretty much the same with, you know, how much sunshine they have. And I, I felt like I woke up again. It just, wow. And I just invigorated me. I went, oh, yeah, this is how I'm normal. This is normal feeling for me. This is how I should feel. Because I know some people are more sensitive to sunlight and the lack of than others, I think. So. And some people like, I guess some people like cloudy climates. <laughs> you know, for me, it, it just did a number on my health. I, I didn't realize how prone to mold I was. Oh, and it wasn't. Yeah. And, and so living in Oregon, it's damp. Mm-hmm. It's just like a breeding ground for, for all sorts of, you know, yeast and bacteria and mold. 
And I was always having digestive distress. And next thing you know, I moved into this beautiful, dry climate and it's gone. Oh, nice. It's like, I can digest my food now. (laughs) It's like, amazing. So it was the right move for you. So, but you don't know, you don't know until you try or you you try something new. So how long have you been here, Dario, in Colorado? It will be a year in September. Okay. And um, so you, are you looking for more people to live at your uh, intentional community now, or are you at where you want to be with the number of people? So right now we need to finish building our infrastructure. And what that looks like is uh, we have to do some remediation. We did find some water damage on some of the structures. And so we, we need to we need to fix that. Otherwise, it's a health concern. Mm-hmm. Uh, and also build an outdoor kitchen so we can host more uh, campers and visitors so we can continue our retreat business. And so once the infrastructure is complete, we'd like to have at least 12 people on the property. And we're currently at five. Okay. So... So when when you're when you guys bought the property, did it have structures on it already? Then I. Oh okay. yes, that is correct. Okay. Yeah, we've all, we all the structures uh, we we've we haven't built any new structures. We've only remodeled. Oh, so was this a, a the same type of uh, operation before? No, um, <clears throat> basically it was just a couple living on this. <laughs> enormous property together they they had lived on us in in the small um in the smaller 1500 square foot home together and then they decided to build their dream house actually it's funny they 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 did something which is apparently is really popular in this area which is converting an existing barn into a house so and I, i don't know i don't know if why that's a good idea but yeah they just poured concrete and added some walls and now they build a 4200 square foot house I see. and so yeah and then i live in the guest house which is a smaller 800 square foot structure that is across the orchard uh and then they also have a workshop space and so all this was all all this was already established when once oh, nice. we when we moved in that's that's great so mm-hmm. well i'm looking forward to visiting as i told you before <laughs> i can't yeah oh i tell you once you yeah once you visit um i'm assuming that ev- all the you know the infrastructure will be fully built out and just ready to host people especially during this time of covid we're implementing some very special protocols for campers and visitors we're going to have multiple bathrooms uh kitchens <clears throat> and also showers that are going to be completely like sanitized. We're going to be practicing social distancing measures. We're we're doing we're trying to do the best that we can to really adhere to the public, um, but it's yeah, challenging because the owner of the property the owner of the property is very susceptible to this to this illness, and oh, so well, it's. But he, yeah, it's, well, it's, I, I was yeah. thinking I would um, be a while before I come just for that reason because of what's going on. It's, I'm not quite ready to. To, to venture out I'm, I'm still staying away from society right now because the threat's still pretty high and yeah and I you know right. just for both sides 
you know, not my, not only myself, but the people I may come in contact with. So, you know, but I'm thinking eventually this too shall pass at least to a certain extent to where life will resume somewhat more normally, you know, I don't know what that's going to look like really. I, I was going to ask yeah. like, what will it take? Um, Cause that's the question that I have. I'm just trying to see how I can, I mean, us as a community still find that middle ground that ensures our safety and well-being, but also invites opportunities yeah. and experiences. So it's, it's a challenge. Um, luckily, everyone here is more on the stricter end. <clears throat> I'm, I'm, I feel very fortunate that there isn't a resident here that thinks this is a complete oh, that's hoax. Good. Oh, geez, that would be yeah, it would. horrific. Because, um, you know, I just read a, a contact that I think Michael Horn put on his site that uh, recently, I think just a few days ago, that 40% of the people in the world are protesting and think this is and are not taking the proper precautions. That's a large. Oh, I percent. know. It's a large. It's a yeah. large percentage and, and of people. And it didn't surprise me, but it still felt a bit stunning. <laughs> it's like 40 percent. That's. That's a lot. So, well, haven't you haven't you seen the movie Pandemic? <laughs> no, I haven't. <laughs> I, I haven't either. I I don't need to watch no, it and know either. what it's about. I can pretty much <laughs> guess. And I, you know, my attitude about that is I can never get that time back. <laughs> I know. <laughs> if I watch it, yeah, right. Uh, but I right. but I've seen some oh, other geez. things going around that. Are, is quite alarming and it's you know there's this vi virologist that's out there spreading um, information and, and this group <clears throat> of doctors saying that if we all stay home that, that because we're all staying home we're actually making ourselves more susceptible to the virus not less <laughs> yeah, I know I and heard that one uh, yeah I uh, guess it's gone viral no pun intended it's interesting yeah it's just funny because I I'm part of many like groups and organizations of people who come together and, you know, they just, they talk about certain subjects and I'm part of like a community building um, operation. And there was one, we do like a weekly zoom meeting. Actually I have one mm -hmm. like in two hours from now. And so this one woman said, well, I'm immune to the virus because I already got it. Oh. <laughs> and I did not want to just, just stay there and be like, well, mm -hmm. like, how do you know I that? Know. <laughs> I know. Well, because of my intuition. Is that what she told you? <laughs> no, but oh, I'm sure that she okay. would say that because <laughs> most people, they, uh, it, it's so funny. I just like, I don't know. I, <clears throat> I just think it's interesting how a lot of people, <clears throat> they like to use their intuition as kind of like the, um, I guess, a form of validation that they're correct. And it's like, well, you know, it's, yeah, it's kind of a hard one to, <laughs> I, I get it. You know, I, I understand that sense, but it can also be faulty in some ways. Yeah, and I, I kind of wonder if it even, even is their intuition. Yeah. That's what I asked. It's is like, it how do you know that it's not your mind? Because, you know, that's right. as someone who right. uses, I'm someone who uses my intuition. Uh, uh, hopefully, I mean, when I don't, I, I, As I, do don't, I. I regret it when I ignore it. And so there are times I've, I've said, okay, is this my intuition or is this because I want it to be this way? Yeah. And we, I think right. it's important for, right. for all of us to try and, you know, stay um, honest about that with ourselves. 
so that art yeah in, in, yeah yeah the way that i kind of see it is that the intuition and the mind work together it's like the mind gathers the data and then the intuition gives you that signal that this is logical or valid or illogical if you learn to listen kind of like what samyasi said and that <clears throat> and so but it's like how can we train ourselves to know that feeling you know because it's like i read it in the teaching but then it's like well if you've never experienced it or maybe you have i know we all we all have in some ways like how do we know what is that feeling yeah um well okay so how you just stated it was you said that you gather all the information and then your intuition validates that see and i've always understood it the other way that your intuition is that instant hit you get it's like insight or that you get and then you have to go okay i just got this here's a good example so you um are talking someone walks up to you and you you instantly get that that feeling of wait i i need to be careful with this person i i feel cautious so then Mm -hmm. you watch and you know so you're you're cautious you know if you're listening to your intuition you're cautious and but you're looking for why you feel that way why why am i getting this signal okay you know because i remember that when um when I was younger, if I would get a negative hit on someone, um, I always felt bad about that and thought, oh, it's terrible that I'm thinking this way. Mm-hmm. But now I don't think that anymore. I now, I now go, well, maybe there's a reason for this. What? And then I look for the evidence with the same, the same direction. If I, if, if I meet someone who I think I can trust this person, I just get that instant hit that I can, tr- then I watch for, okay, yeah. what makes me feel this, that I can trust this person? So I, yeah, you're, you're correct on that. I, yeah, I was thinking more about, it's interesting how I'm, I'm curious to know the many ways that one can, um, I guess, how do you say, feel that, that mm-hmm. feeling? Well, were you, it's like, were you thinking more yeah, along was, the t- lines yeah, of, you know, when you, um, it's just using your, your, um, your, Oh, now the words escape me. Um, your uh, anal- your ability to analyze situations. You know, you look at, you gather all the facts, and you say, "Okay, I'm going to analyze all this to to get a picture." And you're using your logic, you're using your intellect. You know, you are. Um, is that what you mean, or? You know, I guess that's kind of like how I, I, I would say sometimes I perceive it is that I gather all this. Yeah, I use my mm-hmm. analytical mind. I see the logic <clears throat> and then I get a feeling. Um, but it, I, yeah, I'm, I'm just now I ask myself the question. Perhaps I'm missing that feeling. Perhaps the feeling <clears throat> comes first. Yeah, I'm well, just curious to know how, well, yeah, reason, what comes first. I say that is because um, <laughs> in the guys, which, um, it's the study that you can do before, I mean, through Billy directly. I don't know if you're familiar with it, the, the spiritual teaching letter, letters. They're, they're the special red and black books that you can get as a passive member, okay? And we're told mm-hmm. not to, to discuss really much what's in those books with other people. Um, but um, I, I think I can just say this one thing, and, and that is that, that 
um, as someone who has, who gets these hits about things, that initial feeling that you instantly get about a situation. And if you ignore it later, you go, I knew, I knew right away. Right. Um, Billy talks about in those books to pay attention to that and learn to, to catch it, to, to feel that mm-hmm. and not discount because it's very fast. And then our mind can come in and question it. Do you know what I mean? Our mind can go, no, that, you know, say you're, so here's a good example. Say you decide you want to go into business with someone and they have, they have the money and you like what they have to say and all this. But when you first met them, you felt this or this like, no, no. And then you thought, okay, why, why am I feeling this? But then they say all the right things and you go, okay, let's go forward. And then later things go badly south. And you kind of go back to that initial mm-hmm. feeling that you had, that that in, that insight, that right. you know, <clears throat> red flag or whatever you want to call it. And he encourages us to listen to that. And so I think for me, it's like, how can we transition from reacting and making decisions emotionally than to just becoming more solution oriented, yeah. you know, calming ourselves, yeah. being relaxed really and thinking rationally lot, in that sense. That. Yes. Oh, definitely. Definitely. Um, so luckily, I, I, like I say, I'm very thankful that everyone here is very solution oriented. There's no complaining. It's like, it's like, okay, we can, there's an issue. All right. Well, we're going to work together to create a, a solution for it. Whether that's like, you know, personal dynamics with another resident or there is like an issue with the farm. Like we're going to come together and we'll meditate and we're going to be calm and find a solution to whatever our problem is. Because it doesn't help to sit there complaining about nothing. You know, well, anything about it. Well, this has been great. Um, and I really appreciate you coming <laughs> on and um, being a part of the podcast. And I look forward to having more conversations with you in the future. The dictionary states that intuition is the ability to understand something immediately without the need for conscious reasoning. A thing that one knows or considers likely from instinctive feeling rather than conscious reasoning. This is Carol Steves. Thank you for listening to Reality Ranch Podcast. Until next week, Salome.